This is Resurrection Sunday, the special Resurrection Sunday that follows Passover. And as Kent already said, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate that and continue to do that. And today's message, I think, will focus on what we've already read, but also the implications that resurrection has for us as the people of God, those who have come to know Jesus Christ. This is not a historical thing that we look to historically. I think you'll understand what I mean as we get to the close of my message. We are going to be covering history, and as we've been doing for the last several months, going through the what I could probably say is the gospel of Hebrews, we're focusing on especially those saints who share with us in the full blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. In other words, we as Christians here in 2018 don't have any special advantage over those who thousands of years ago received faith into their hearts and believed for what we know looking back. They were looking ahead and understanding and realizing this had meaning for themselves. Sometimes we think, well, and and I used to think of this as a young boy, thinking, I wish I'd lived in Jesus' time. Well, I wouldn't have had any more faith in Jesus' time than I do now. I'm sure Moses and Joseph and those who are the, the names that we know from the Old Testament, they were looking ahead and their faith was just as accurate as what ours is today. They didn't know some things, but they had faith and their faith was active and strong and real and valid without having all the facts. And that's what it means that when someone comes to Christ, the Lord is present in their lives. Just as when someone comes to faith back in the Old Testament, he was there in promise. And in reality, he led each one of them. That's the story of the Bible. So let's begin. We have seen and know what it is to see Jesus and looking these past months of who Jesus is. We've seen various facets and understanding and experiences, shared experiences in this book. And today, one of the big stars, Moses, and by faith, Moses. The author of Hebrews, who for some of you who maybe have heard this for the first time, we don't know who the author was. We can take some guesses, but the truth that we have embraced and have picked up on in going through the gospel of Hebrews is that which brings us to a greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is. 
Hebrews 11, 23 to 29. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians when they attempted it, were drowned. Father, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, teach us now. Give me the words and the expression and the illustrations and all those things that go into sharing your word and give us hearing ears and hearts to receive the truth implanted in Jesus' name. Amen. By faith, Moses, when he was born... This statement is for all of us, and particularly for Jean and Ami, who are expecting and knowing what event is coming to them. Can you imagine what it was like for Moses' parents? They didn't know whether this was going to be a boy or a girl. And he was a beautiful child. And I think that that's what Moses probably was proud of. I mean, aren't we all proud of our good looks? <laughs> Come on now. Let's be honest with ourselves. Just because you say, well, I wish my nose was a little bit more like whatever. <laughs> no, deep inside, we just want somebody to say we're good looking, don't we? Uh-huh. I see a lot of girls' heads moving. But, no. but we are his creation. And that is enough to call us beautiful. By faith, when he was grown up, and everybody wants to be grown up, even Daniel and Emily. When are you going to start driving, Daniel? Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. That's it. That, you've got it. You got it. Okay. By faith, he left Egypt. And uh, nowadays, when we leave, well, for us, you know, being here in Japan and home is 10 hours away, we don't really look forward to getting on the plane. It's a long, long trip. But it does take us faith to leave Japan. And it was by faith that Moses also traveled out of Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. He did? He did. We're going to talk about that. And then by faith, they passed 
through the Red Sea. Okay, here we go. By faith when he was born. He was hidden for three months by his parents. And Katie and I, in the last 10 years, I think it is, have been blessed to hear some facts about raising children that after we raised our children, we read and attended seminars in learning what happens right after birth and through particularly the first year of a baby's life. If you have to work, make sure that in the first year you stay home with baby. You know, it is very important for a baby the first three months. That is when their cognitive side and their emotional side are joined together in that three months. And during that time, it is very, very important for the parents and the grandparents and those around that baby, that child, to look into their eyes. I've told you this before, I think. I think it is very, very important because during that time, what is happening is the cognitive side and the emotional side need to join together so that we are stable in our thinking. And it is facilitated by eye contact with a human being, a bigger brain. And if you've ever heard of Dr. Siegel and Dr. Amen, they have done a lot of research. Neither one are more Christians, but they were Jewish, and they discovered this through brain mapping. God made us this way to have parents in our first three months. But in nine months, you can tell your boss, I am not working during this nine months. It is very important that that child have you there. And that is where they begin to understand their identity and who they are and that they belong. That is very important to us as human beings. And so Moses was hidden for three months by his parents. And because they saw he was a beautiful child. And like I said, every child is beautiful. In fact, I just saw a picture on the internet of a child whose whole face and everything was just askew. And they're trying to put the child's face back together by plastic surgery. But you look at the child and he's, I don't know exactly how old he was in the picture, but it looked like he was probably about a year old or so. But he looked muscular, strong, but his countenance or his face was all out of shape. Those parents love him. God put that in our hearts because that's part of who we are. We are part with the Father, the Creator, who made us to love our own. They were not afraid of Pharaoh's edict. Their love for their child was stronger than Pharaoh's edict. 
By faith, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Maybe some of you who don't know the story, they took the baby Moses and put him in a, a basket and it caused it to float by putting tar around it, but it floated on the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter found it. And guess what she did? She looked at it. He was a beautiful child. But the edict was that all male children should be killed at birth. And she wanted this child. And there was a young girl standing there, happened to be this baby's older sister. And she said, find someone that can nurse this child. Back in those days, they didn't have formulas and bottles, apparently. So Miriam knew exactly who was nursing or capable of nursing, got Moses' mother. And we think that Moses was probably with his mother, if not his, his father as well, for about three years. You see, back in those days, a child was weaned between two and three years of age. Nowadays, because of formulas and busy moms and working moms and that kind of thing, what is it, nine months or a year till weaning? But Moses, when he grew up, when he was probably maybe 19 or 20, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, chose to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin. Implanted in his heart was the faith of his mother and possibly his father. Considering the reproach of Christ greater than riches. How did he know about Christ? How did Moses know that? We're told that Adam and Eve knew about the Redeemer that would come. They knew and they passed that story down. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and as we read last week, even Joseph, they knew about the Christ, the coming Messiah. And they were already beginning to look for that Messiah. Moses counted the reproach of Christ greater than riches. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. One of the things that is amazing about faith is that faith looks at happenings and history a little bit different than what we do. The story goes that by faith he left Egypt. Was it by faith? Do you remember the story? He ran for his life. He saw an Egyptian beating a Israelite. And Moses, beginning to identify with his people, Israel, reached out and slugged this guy so hard that he fell down dead. Well, I'm making that part up. I don't know whether he slugged him or hit him with a rock or, or what. But he killed an Egyptian. And he looked around, didn't see anybody. So he buried him in the sand. And then he ran. And he took off for Midian. But it says here, by faith he left Egypt. What does that mean? He was a murderer. He was a criminal. 
it means that in his heart he knew there was a Savior. He knew the promises of God. He knew about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he knew that Joseph also was spared. And Moses, raised up by God, in a miraculous way, he had received the truth. These Egyptians are not our master. There is another master. There's a Messiah. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. And he, like us, did not see Jesus at this time in his life. By faith, he kept the Passover. That was some day. That was an incredible day. The 10th plague. 10 in Japanese and I think in Chinese. What is this sign? 10. Did any of you non-Japanese speakers or Chinese speakers, do you know that this means the number 10? Okay, what else does it mean? If you put it with, say, boon, it's enough. Oh, remember we've talked about Chinese characters before and there's some pamphlets on the back there. Uh, if you're a newcomer, that's a gift to you from our oldest son, written about kanji, about Japanese characters and how they go back to the biblical days. Jubun, it's enough. Jesus paid the full price for our salvation. That's what that means. By faith, Moses kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, so that they who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. And God himself, the Bible says, went throughout Egypt and killed the firstborn because of the fact that they had not sprinkled the blood on the doorposts and the lintel. The blood of the lamb, the Passover. God himself passing over and seeing who believes. And the firstborn, God said, is mine. And those that did not place the blood sign on the doorpost, that firstborn son died. And there was great mourning and sorrow in the land of Egypt that night. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. This is something that I think you're wondering, how does your message today, Ron, coincide with Resurrection Sunday? Well, this is how. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. Moses and Israel passing through the Red Sea is symbolic of the believer's identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a sign of that. As though they were passing through dry land and the Egyptians who tried to follow them when they attempted were drowned. Moses and Israel passing through the Red Sea is symbolic of the believer's identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
This is something that I think we will be able to verify. The same is true for Israel when they crossed the River Jordan. Did you know that they had just celebrated the Passover, the first Passover in Egypt, and then they crossed through the Red Sea and were saved? God's intention was for them immediately to go up to the Promised Land and to cross Jordan River. But because of their disobedience and their stubbornness, they spent 40 years. A whole generation of people died because of their disobedience. But the same is true about Israel crossing the Jordan River as what they had done 40 years previous in crossing the Red Sea. God did a very similar miracle. When they got to the river of Jordan, it was spring and it was flooded. And I think even today, the Jordan River floods. That was a natural thing that happened. And that's when Israel was being led by Joshua to go across the river at flood time. And God stopped the water. It piled up and went dry on the other side. And they walked across on dry land all the way across to the promised land. And what did they do when they got over? The Passover. No, no. This is one time when I'm right. (laughs) No, when they had gotten over, then they celebrated the Passover on the 14th day. They crossed on the 10th and they celebrated the Passover on the 14th in the promised land. They were secure. They were there. They had fulfilled God's expectation for them. And so really the two crossings, one was prior to their crossing the Red Sea, the first Passover. And then the one when they finally got into the promised land, they celebrated another Passover. So it's like a parenthesis. God's promises all those years had carried them, those who would believe. Incredible. Both crossings are symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4. Here's what Paul says. The Apostle Paul warns the Corinthian church that they not stray from the truth. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ. And then in Joshua 5, 9, and 10, then the Lord said to to Joshua, today I have rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. What ring does that have? The stone rolled away. The reproach of Egypt from you. Well, the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal. They observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month, 
on the desert plains of Jericho. Bless the Lord. Then here comes a real door buster. We're talking about Resurrection Sunday. In John 11:23 and 25, there is a scene where Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was sick and they called for Jesus to come. But Jesus delayed his coming and Lazarus died, was three days dead when Jesus arrived. Martha was distraught. If you had been here earlier, my brother would not have died. Imagine what that did to Jesus' heart. This woman who had believed so much in Jesus, but she was crushed by his delay. Jesus replied, your brother will rise again. And the word that Jesus uses there, your brother will rise again, is anastemi, which actually means he'll come to life and yet die again. It's not a true resurrection. Yes, he was dead, but he's going to die again. It's like a resurrection, that word. That word is what is used throughout the New Testament for resurrection or to rise up again. But, get this, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. That word resurrection, when he says, I am the resurrection, is anastasis. That's the actual word of being risen and to never die again. You know, when we talk about the Resurrection Sunday, we're not talking about an event. We are celebrating the actual life of Jesus Christ and those of us who have received him as our Savior. The life that is in us is eternal life. That's what Jesus promised. We have eternal life. Yes, this body is going to die. This soul will live forever. And for all of you who do have this assurance in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are now an eternal being. This body will rot, most likely, unless we are just all lifted up and raised in the final resurrection. But we are alive in Christ as eternal. That is our condition. Regardless of what is coming at you in condemnation or in sensing, I, I'm not perfect. I'm, not a, I'm still a sinner. Yes, yes, we still have this body of sin. And that's what Paul called it. But we have the assurance so that what Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. That is where we stand and where we are secure in all that God has shown to us of himself. Father, we thank you that we believe. We are assured, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we stand 
having been filled with the Holy Spirit, having received the word implanted in our hearts, that the life that we now live, we live in Jesus Christ and will continue to live for eternity. Thank you for the assurance that we have. And I pray for everyone here who does not have this assurance that these words that we have read and the stories that we've talked about would go deep into their hearts and they would call out to you, my Savior, my Lord. May this be Resurrection Day, not as a ceremony, not as a theory, but as truth. Thank you for what you have given us in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.